Welcome to the Story Studio. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Welcome to the Story Studio, a podcast for an independent publishing company that explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. Uh, joining us today is uh, John L. Monk, indie fiction extraordinaire. Uh, John is the best-selling author of the popular YA post-apocalyptic tale, Hell's Children, as well as the Gen- uh, Jenkins Cycle series, and he has co-written with the likes of Jay Fawn, is a proactive advocate for indie authors, and most importantly, is one hell of a swell guy. How's it going, John? I'm doing really good. How are you guys? <laughs> yeah, too bad. Sorry, yeah, Dan, I forgot to introduce us. Uh, I think people should know us by now, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, sometimes you're Ben, so like sometimes it switches out. <laughs> But, um, yeah, yeah, and cool. also I hate introducing myself as my own name because I feel like you rarely have to say your own name. I say it all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you wake up in the morning, good morning, Luke Condor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one else will. Uh, okay, so how's it going, guys? What are you? Uh, what are you working on? What are you creating? Uh, what, what are you doing, John? What are you working on? As little as possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm actually re- uh, writing. Uh, I'm finishing the second book uh, in. Uh, uh, after Hell's Children, uh, Hell's Children did really well, so I figured I might as well try to see if I could catch that lightning in a bottle twice. And uh, I'm sitting at around 81,000 words. My target was 80, but you know it's going to go over a little bit because I got to, I got to not rush the ending, as it were. So that's what I'm doing right now. What are you? Uh, yeah, and, have endings you got, are tricky. Yeah, have you got a title for the sequel? I do. It's uh, so the first book one is Hell's Children, like yeah. uh, kind of like the Pat Benatar song I know. And uh, the second one is Hell's Encore, uh, which is really cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to give like Hell's Teenagers or something. But then again, Hell's I guess you could only go. Uh, cause it's only been three months. Enough. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's it's only been three months in the in the book. So they can't be. Well, they are actually teenagers. It's funny. They're uh, no, the main characters are 14, 15 years old. So, yeah. yeah. Young teenagers. We, we call them tweenagers in, in England. I don't know about. I don't know if it's the same in the U.S. Yeah, but you guys are weird. So, so. <laughs> we, are, we are quite weird. No argument uh, there. Yeah. What about you, Dan? What have you been up to? Uh, I have just been cracking on with Lazarus, um, getting close to the end, which is glorious. I'm literally, I think I'm similar to you at the minute, John. I'm in that final part where it's coming together. We've got all the action at the end, and I'm trying to ease it into the finish and then the resolve so that we can lead on to the second book because. Originally, the book was planned to be about 50,000 words, 60,000 words, and is now cracking out at about 100,000. And with a book that length that is the first of a series, I don't really want to rush the ending and kind of leave people shortchanged. (laughs) You're not going to rush the ending on a 100,000-word book. That's (laughs) The ending is probably about 20,000 words, to be fair. Yeah, we won't be rushing that ending, I don't think, anytime soon. Yeah, but I'm hoping it'll be um, okay for the handover. I'm hoping to hand it over to you, Luke, uh, this coming week, so... Okay, cool. I'm looking forward right. to diving into that tome. That yeah, and what are you working on? Uh, so, well, February's February's over, and um, that, February was like a really crazy busy busy month, and I've just decided By to... By the time this launches, February will be well over. It will, yeah. Uh, but, like, February's so busy, so we did, uh, did like, 50,000 words, uh, we did the Kickstarter campaign, we launched our book, um, I turned 29, and we launched a new podcast, and I was like, I just want to take a couple of days just to sort of... Uh, recover and just chill for a bit but I've still not managed to like switch my mind off I'm still sort of waking up quite early still feeling like I should be doing something feeling kind of guilty for not doing much but I've just been reading <laughs> that's all I've been doing reading books and comics and stuff which is quite nice what have you been, research 
What have you I'm, been reading? I've been reading. Um, you're about to sit on the podcast, but um, uh, Junji <laughs> J- Junji Ito's uh, Fragments of Horror, which is like a creepy little manga thing, and I've been reading a Clive Barker book, uh, The Damnation Game, which has been great. I've really enjoyed it. I tried reading Damnation Game mm. years ago when I was too young to read books like that, and 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 because this is kind of an old book, and I couldn't yeah. get into it, but I think I'm going to go back to it. Uh, a, a book I would recommend if you like horror, though, um, is a book by another fellow indie, uh, Harvey Click. It's called uh, The Bad Box. Uh, I've actually read all of his stuff. He's got like maybe f- one, two, five or six books, and he's even got a bunch of sh- short stories. I mean, I would ra- I would wait out in the rain for this guy. If he had been ever traditionally published back in the 80s or whatever, you would know his name along with Stephen King, Clive, Clive Barker, and all those guys. He's a uh, Harvey Click. Yeah, he's cool. he's truly, truly amazing. Uh, I, I hate to turn this into a Harvey Click commercial, but I <laughs> just wanted to share. It. <laughs> no, it's cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm just recently yeah. sort Did of. You uh, say, um, go on. I just, I just I'm just recently digging into all those sort of um, horror guys from like the 80s. So I want to read like a Ramsey Campbell book, and I want to sort of you know dig into those sort of authors. I mean, Stephen King. Me and Dan are like Dan. You read Stephen King anyway, but I don't really. So I'm just trying mm. to. Catch up and all that stuff I should have read. Really. Still a lot to get through. Though. There's yeah. still quite a few on my list that I want to hit. But I am. Yes. Um, I've, I've actually been on Clive Barker this week. Have you? Um, yeah. The so bags of Books no of book blood. of blood. Yeah. Volume yeah. one. Um, because you recommended that and the two midnight meat train and in the hills. What's the other story? Yeah. So yeah. I read that one yeah. and then kind of just went on with the rest of the book and I've just finished. I think it's called the pig blood blues. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, <laughs> that's a, that's a story and a half. Clive Barker's um, got a really amazing poetic way of describing gore. I don't, I don't think I've ever read anything like that, but it's. I'm trying to do that a bit myself, but I, I can't like ape that style too much because it just comes off like pastiche. I feel I like it's the kind of stuff that I write, and then I'm like, no, this will come across as too pretentious. People will hate me. Yeah, yeah. Do you, are you a Clive Barker fan, John? Generally, or oh just, no, just, just I, that I haven't. I've only read the uh, some of the uh, Damnation Game. Oh. Uh, I do want to, you know, like you make me want to read even more. Like I don't like gore; yeah. it's not interesting to me. But a poetic way of writing gore, yeah, that I got to see. I got to yeah. see that. I definitely recommend Books of Blood, which is just the short stories, but the, they're a lot more concise. I feel like after reading those and then go to da- go into the Damnation Game, he definitely waffles on a bit more in <laughs> in the Damnation Game. Uh, so yeah, definitely recommend the short stories. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, okay, so um, let's crack on to our big whoops for the week. Um, so what have you guys been uh, reading, watching, uh, playing? What have you been up to, John? <laughs> I'm on the spot. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I've been, I have been—I pretty much perennially, daily, weekly kind of watch uh, the same old stuff on Netflix right before bed. It's usually the IT crowd. Have you ever watched that? Yeah, yeah, I'm a big IT crowd. I crowd haven't, yeah, yeah. That's oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah I... I, I love uh, I love that show. I can't get enough of it. Yeah. Uh, but books. Um, I'm reading a little uh, Robert B. Parker. If you haven't read Robert B. Parker, you should read his Spencer series. Mm. You want to know how to write good dialogue. Um, you want to know how to write uh, the words that aren't there, the spaces between the words, kind of thing. Uh, pick up Robert B. Parker. He is a direct inspiration for Jim Butcher. If you like Jim Butcher, so he writes a series of uh, books called Spencer. Um, I flipped through that. I was reading an, 
I sort of am kind of going through a get inspired to finish my own book because I read books to get inspired to write my books. Yeah, I yeah. see a bunch of really good writing. I feel like I walked out of a Rocky movie and I want to just go boxing, <laughs> but I do it with books. So I was reading Nathan Lowell's uh, Quarter Share. I've read it before. I was reading uh, Ellie Modessa Jr. or Modessa Jr., uh, his uh, Imager Portfolio first book. This is all within like the first week. Now, I don't really finish these books that I'm rereading and stuff. I just sort of read them to kind of get inspired by the words and stuff. Yeah. Highly recommend it. It gets you, you get that cadence and rhythm down. Yeah, I think uh, I have to agree. So last year, I didn't really read that much fiction. Well, I've read some fiction, but I've read a lot of prose. I mean, sorry, a lot of nonfiction even. And I just, this year, I decided to make a conscious effort to read a lot more prose. And I'm feeling so much more inspired to actually sit down and write and try new new things out in, in the fiction um but yeah I, I i'd love to i agree what about you dan what are you, what are you what's your big whoop my so my big whoop is um a bit of a, a different one it's more of a personal thing it's so i'm i'm doing lent for the first time ever um because <laughs> i've had friends over the years that have given up different things and felt better for the experience and there's one thing that's kind of been in a way, I guess, dragging me down for a good couple of years. And one thing that I'm consciously been trying to cut down on that just hasn't been happening, which is social media and mobile internet mm. and just constantly being ticked on on the move wherever I go. So I'll wake up and the first thing I'll do is I'll check my phone. I'll go downstairs, have breakfast and I'll watch YouTube. I'll flip through Instagram, Facebook. I'll listen to a podcast on the way to work. And it's just constantly stuff after stuff after stuff. So what I've actually done is, um, or what I'm doing for 40 days is I've uninstalled all the apps on my phone apart from call and text. I only ever have my phone in my per or on my person when I'm at work in my bag on loud in case I get an important call or a text because obviously I'm a father. I don't want to like ignore if um, yeah. I'm suddenly needed. So no, no, I just didn't have a phone. Um, and I'm just living the free life. I'm just, it's day, so it's day three now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I've, I, I already feel mentally so much better for it. The first day, because um, I cycle to work, it's about a 25-minute bike ride, and normally yeah. I was like, I have, I'm listening to Joanna Penn, I'm listening to SPP, I'm listening to our other stories, and yeah. I was just cycling, and it was a weird experience to just soak in the sunshine because it was a beautiful day. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. And then a seagull just followed me along as I was cycling and just went along the side and... <laughs> It's just, it's just. You're becoming yeah, one with nature. I'm, I am. I'm picturing, um, uh, you know, the guy from Into the Wild. I'm just imagining you yeah. dying of exposure somewhere. McCandles yeah. was that it? Uh, Chris, yeah, Chris, McCandles. Chris McCandles. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds about right. Yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it's been um. Like I said, I'm on day three. I've already had a couple of scenarios. I've suddenly been like, I need to check my bank balance, but I'm not going to do it on my phone. Or someone at work has needed me for something, and normally I'll just check my emails on my phone. But it's it's a way people know. Yeah. So it's it's mentally I, freeing. But. I think it's good. I think I want to try that, but I think maybe not as uh, how how like, I don't do it for as long as that. I think I just want to do a week or something. That's about as much as I could hack. Yeah, this is forty days. Yeah. I think you could do it. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I, uh, it's funny. Um, I, so I was sitting right there struggling around 50,000 words with my stupid book and uh, <laughs> the one I'm working on right now. And I got so frustrated because all I was doing was looking at stupid current events, watching YouTube videos, going on Facebook, sure. screwing around. And I just got so frustrated because it was so much easier to just go watch other people entertain me than to go fill that role myself. 
that I, I I put a post on Facebook. It's still there. It's like maybe four or five posts back because I was showing up once in a while to say, hey, I'm at this many words. I put up, I put a post saying I'm quitting Facebook until I get my book done. Um, basically, in my mind, it was until I got 80K words, which yeah. I said was my target thing. So I recently came back and said, hey, I got my 80K words. I'm still working on it, though. But I didn't, I wasn't on Facebook and I had all these, like my numbers were popping up. People were, yeah. You know, I wasn't checking them or anything. I wasn't replying to anybody. Yeah. Um, I, I just came up once in a while to say, Hey, I'm at 60,000 words. Hey, I'm at 70 and now I'm at 80. And I'll tell you, it does a lot for your creativity. You, you, mm. or you have to force yourself to do something, you know, rather than having something done for you. Yeah, I have so much more time in my day because do you know how boring it is to go to the toilet without your phone? <laughs> um, it's just <laughs> you, you on the toilet is not boring. <laughs> <laughs> but I would I would honestly find that I would just sit and scroll through Facebook and just like it's just mind numbing and you don't get anything out of it. So now if I have a quiet moment, I'm suddenly like I have to fill this, but I'll do it productively. Yeah. Fill what? I'll, I'll fill the time productively. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Cool. Uh, well, I might try it. I think um, I, I like to do. I like to try not to check my emails until eleven, <laughs> which isn't quite the same thing. But I mean, it's uh, <laughs> like at least it, it's a little bit of a barrier to, to it. But yeah, mm. I think I'll go social media free at some point. Um, yeah, not for forty days. There, we'll see. Uh, so my big whip is um, a book I read that I've been meaning to read for about a year and a half, maybe. It's uh, Nick Cole's The Red King. Um, I read that. Oh, did you? What, what did you think to it? I'm actually, I'm actually friends with him. Um, I thought it was really, really good. Um, I love his work. He's yeah. just a, an amazing writer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I also read this other one by him uh, about the end of the world as we knew it. But continue. You, this is your <laughs> big book. Sorry. <laughs> I'm taking my big book. No, it's cool. Um, I have got that as well. I just haven't read it yet. Uh, but yeah, but Nick, Nick Cole. Like, I've, I uh, so last last week we had uh, Clark Chamberlain. We were talking about uh, the quality of prose in, in indie fiction. And I was like, I really sort of am hungry for some really good quality prose. And Nick is just such a good writer. Like, I, I think it's like 240 pages, that book. And I read it in like uh, three, four days or so. Just, and I'm a slow, slow reader as well. But he just writes with and such a... And it's free. And it's free. Yeah, you should go get it. Because it's, um, it's so so fluid, the way he writes. Um, but And I will check out The End of the World as we know it. Um, that's a different thing, though, right? Is that It's not like a... Action. It's supposed to apocalyptic uh zombie novel um with a couple of point of views and absolutely crushes the ending okay i mean you you, you want to talk about like you know you always worry that oh it's going to be a real good middle and and beginning and stuff but will it be a good ending so right away you'll know it's a good ending and incidentally um you know obviously i'm a little bit biased i'm i'm friends with him author mm-hmm. friends just like you guys um but we um we share a podcast together now it's uh oh, old cool. it's it's called science fiction writers playing old school D and D. Yeah. Um, you can probably find that just do a search for it. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. We just play D and D, uh, me and a couple other guys, Chris Porto, you may know him, some others. Did Jason, Jason, and uh, his name, Jason Anspach. Does he do something? Yeah. Like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. with him. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Are you doing anything with like the galaxy's edge stuff with those guys? Oh, no, I apparently didn't get invited. No, I'm actually, <laughs> I am doing a uh, tales of the apocalypse though with, uh, with um chris porto it's i have to write a book about an animal in my world the hell's children world that is uh you know centered around an animal in some some way because it's all it's a, like what is the apocalypse like 
for the animals, you know, uh, yeah. you know, all the humans are dead and everything. What are the wolves doing? You know, what are the monkeys doing? I don't know. <laughs> I love that. That, that kind of stuff is really, really interesting because no one ever does highlight or pay attention to that side of things. Yeah. 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 And I loved Watership Down. So I figure if I could write something that good, maybe that's what I need to do to kind of get my juices going is read a little Watership Down. Mm. You ever read it? No, I watched, watched the film. Yeah, uh, uh, I think a lot of uh, English kids did watch the film. Um, yeah, 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 isn't it quite violent though? Then it's like quite gruesome, right? It's all rabbits getting mixed in mitosis, right? It's, it's about crazy. rabbits. It's about rabbits, and there's like a really mean rabbit, and yeah. they got to move yeah. from one place to another. And that's all I remember. I just remember thinking it was a really, really good book. Yeah, yeah. So. Imagine that in a post-apocalyptic setting, and uh, yeah, sounds <laughs> yeah. good. Um, cool. Uh, so, active rabbits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, uh, John, so you're a writer. Um, when did you start <laughs> writing? Like you maybe like dip back into when you first put pen to paper, when you decided, okay, this is what I want to do. This, this is fun. Uh, in first, <laughs> in first grade, we had a contest to write a poem and I wrote a poem and the last line of the poem was a beautiful spark of love, which was so stupid. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You know, kids are dumb. So anyway, it was, uh, I guess it was, I guess they loved it. And they, uh, <laughs> I mean, it just seems silly to me. I don't know. But because uh, I think guys don't write beautiful spark of love. OK, even first first year, first grade guys. So um, but that's what I wrote. And I won some stupid contest. And uh, and they had a they had a school newspaper for uh, us kids. And and so I would write a poem like like whatever once a month. And every one of them was just a sappy and uh and then I got bored with that and I stopped. And then when I started reading novels by about like fifth grade and stuff, I started basically like rewriting the novels my way, mm. you know, and then taking credit for it. Yeah. You know, just short stories. And that was kind of cool. And then somewhere in the seventh and eighth grade, I was like, it'd be really cool to be a writer. So I started writing short stories and submitting them and having them rejected. Uh, but I didn't. I turned 40 after playing a lot of World of Warcraft, a lot of World of Warcraft. I turned 40 and I decided I was really going to write the novel I was going to take it seriously. I wasn't going to write it halfway and then abandon it. I was just going to push through and I didn't care how good it was. And then I, uh, you know, I did that and here I am today. I've got five books working on a sixth. Yeah. Do you uh, still play World of Warcraft? No, I want to, but, uh, if I did, I just, I'd have to give up everything. Yeah. I got a, I got like a seven day free trial and lost uh, that yeah. entire week. <laughs> I didn't do it. And I had, to, it said, do you want to sign up? And I was like, no, I better not. Yeah, I, I did exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. Yeah. Do, you, do you ever find that um, World of Warcraft in any way influenced how you tell stories or expanded your imagination to write the stories that you do? Uh, if it inspired me in any way, it was um, in some way that's sort of deeply in the structure of the human brain kind of thing. You spend so much time doing stuff and, you know, either in a game or anything in real life, you're going to be influenced by it. But from a storytelling perspective, something sort of overt that I can put my finger on. Like I can tell you if I read Jim Butcher books, I have a new appreciation for like, you know, like uh, the way a story flows, humor, because he uses a lot of humor. But I never paid attention to the stories in World of Warcraft. I just wanted the gear and the gold and I wanted to kill monsters. So mm. there's nothing there. Yeah, the quick fix. Sorry. <laughs> are you Are you tempted to write in... In fact, you probably should put a beautiful spark of love into one of your uh, post-apocalyptic <laughs> books somewhere. No. <laughs> it, it could be one of the poems that one of the kids is writing. 
you know, here's the funny thing. Like you hear a beautiful spark of love and you hear kind of like the derision that I'm heaping upon it. And you're like, what's wrong with this guy? He doesn't like beautiful sparks or a love. Yeah. But in my mind, <laughs> I have been embarrassed by that, that phrase ever since I was pretty much uh, as soon as they started paying attention to it. Even though I wrote, wrote the poems for, what do you call it? Because um, I wanted attention. I still knew it was like a yeah. kind of... Um, uh, I got to say it, a girly kind of thing for a guy to say. And I've always felt a little bit, you know, that original shame of writing the beautiful spark of love is always sad. <laughs> <laughs> That's just fueled you to write some more hard hitting stuff. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. So you wrote the, um, so was the Jenkins cycle your first series of books? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, and of like any first book, they always say that your, your first book has like you in it like mm. too much you in it and stuff. And, uh, and that's definitely the case. It's mm. almost like, you know, obviously I don't want to go around killing people cause that's what the story is about. A good guy who kills bad guys, uh, almost like a vigilante, but like supernatural, he comes back to the life and, and dead people or as, as a bad person, he, he sort of like, he possesses like serial killers and stuff. Cause he died. He can do that. I mean, so obviously it's not an exact matchup, but yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And then you obviously went on and wrote the Hell's Children post-apocalyptic tale. Um, was there any conscious decision behind genre hopping? Was it something that you'd always sort of doing, or is it very much just a I want to write what I want to write? No, it was a it was a conscious it was a conscious uh, decision uh, because uh, the first series, it being very much from me and very much unschooled as to what's going to sell, um, nobody is looking. Nobody types in into the Amazon search bar book about guy who comes back from dead and possesses bad people and brings them to justice and enjoys life at the mm. same time. Nobody writes that, but they're going to write zombie novel, post-apocalyptic novel. Mine's not a zombie novel, but they will write that science fiction yeah. novel spaceships. So post-apoc was a, uh, was sort of an audience. It already had an audience. Yeah. That mm. other stuff didn't have an audience. It's getting an audience because people are finding it, but not, they're just, I call them lucky people because, ooh, I found it. But uh, <laughs> other people, you know, like, I mean, it's just never going to be a mass hit, except yeah. for maybe as a movie or something, because it would be great for that. Yeah. I feel, I feel like, uh, well, that's pretty much why me and Dan wrote our last book. So it's good to hear that we weren't totally off the mark in doing that. Uh, but I was wondering, yeah. like, so uh, uh, Kick was the first book of the Jenkins cycle. Uh, so that was the first book you put out there. Um, were you nervous and like, in terms of, like, the reaction you were going to get from your your friends and colleagues and stuff like that? Oh, I was nervous uh, that people would think uh, that I'm um, some sort of a suicide, suicidal freak because the main character kills himself in the first chapter. Spoiler alert. <laughs> did, uh, they, did they come to you and say, are you okay, John? <laughs> they didn't. They, I guess they didn't care. <laughs> so, wow, now I'm, now I'm really depressed. I could yeah. really use a beautiful spark of love right now. But Yeah. <laughs> so. Yes, yeah, so yeah. I was nervous. I was also nervous about the writing. Um, I did a lot of editing post-release of that book. I never got dinged on the editing. Nobody ever said, you don't use your dialogue tags right or anything like that. But like I released the book and there was this stupid thing I used to do with my dialogue where I would do uh, the quote. I would do like he smiled. Right. Mm. And underneath that, I would have a quotation. How are you guys doing? And the idea is he's smiling while he's saying, how are you guys doing? And so like after like maybe the first week or two of the book being released i was reading some stuff and, and doing a little bit of work on my craft and i realized that that's like a it's not a good practice so i went through the book and i fixed all those 
And then I went through the book and I like, at some other point I found all the titles of movies that I had mentioned and I put those in italics a little, Mm, little sort of like style book or whatever things that you do when you're learning. So book one was like a learning book and right now it's pretty damn polished, uh, mm. you know, cause it's been years and, uh, I learned a lot as I wrote it and rewrote it while I was live. Uh, but nobody ever gave me any crap. So it didn't have too many spelling mistakes and things like that. So yeah, yeah the reviews are crazy. Looks, so um, looks like yeah. it's been received really well. It, it got received pretty well. Uh, I think it's because the people who read it, um, people are less likely to review something that they didn't finish. Yeah. I think not that it isn't done. Um, but people who finished that, that's the book that they were looking for. They just didn't know it. They got lucky. They're lucky people, as I mentioned. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Which is self-serving. I know that. But they find it and and they're like, oh, wow. You know, this this definitely is something different. And I wanted something different. And so they're a little bit more likely to, like they want to encourage different because that's what they're looking for. So maybe they're a little bit extra, extra nice in the reviews than maybe... They wouldn't be if it was for something a little bit more on genre like uh, science fiction or something. Science yeah. fiction would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's got lasers, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, when you, um, when you released Kick, obviously that being your first book, was it how, – how long did it – how long did it take for you to get to a point where you felt like, yeah, this is going somewhere, I'm building an audience? Was there um, enough feedback from – people reading it to keep you wanting to go or was it for you never a question of having to carry on wanting to carry on to the next one uh probably the latter um i knew based on all you all we we all listen to the same podcast i'm pretty sure and basically what you learn as an indie is that you have to write the next book you have to write the next book uh and and at the time they were saying series 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 it's fallen off a little bit you know uh but I knew that I had to have a series if I wanted to be like noticed. And I was like, okay, so book one didn't get too many sales. It got some good reviews, but it didn't get a lot of sales. And book two, I have to write a book two. And I wrote a book two. And I was like, oh, okay, still not knocking it out of the park. Uh, I just got to stick to it and write a book three and a book four and a book five. I didn't write book four and five because I realized I needed to write more to market. Something I liked, but that were people were looking for. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, people who make movies, they say you do one for yourself and you do one for them, you know, because mm, yeah. um, you got to pay the bills. Uh, you can't just be you know, a starving artist unless you just, you know, you don't want to eat. <laughs> maybe that's <laughs> yeah. maybe you're losing weight. You can be a starving artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so, OK, so uh, Kit came out and it, like, it looks like it got received really well, but obviously didn't get quite like the sales numbers that you were hoping for. And then how's children, which wasn't. It was it was book one um, of a potential series, um, and then that obviously did very well. How did that make you feel to see the moolah coming in? <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to forget that point about the moolah, but I want to make one correction. Okay. When I released it, and as it stands right now, yeah. there's nothing about that book on Amazon sales page that will tell you it's a series. Right. Okay. 
I mean, I've told you it's a series, but if you go there, it's a standalone. Nobody in their right mind would look at that and think it's a series because mm-hmm. it's not uh, not yet. It's written in the end of the book, though, isn't it? It is, but you got to finish the book to figure I, that I, out. I finished the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic really? book. Yeah. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> no start it's... to finish. That's what I do with my books. Oh. Well, yeah. I'm uh, I'm I'm intensely flattered. I mean, that's sort of un, unknown amongst uh, talk show hosts, kind of thing. Okay, no, back no, to the... my research. <laughs> well, I'm flattered. Okay, so and I'm also thank you. I'm glad that you uh, liked it, and thanks for the money. I'm sure I didn't spend it wisely. <laughs> but the money, uh, when the money started coming, it's uh, it's an interesting thing. I'll make it quick. But my wife, it was in uh, it was in June. I released it in June eighth, and it was like a week or two later. My wife was diagnosed with cancer, uh, a uterine cancer, hmm. and. Uh, very survivable, and she's completely cured right now. Or I wouldn't, I wouldn't even mention it. Uh, I would just not mention it. But uh, that book paid for all that. I mean, we have insurance over here, but it's been sort of, uh, it's been sort of destroyed. Uh, it doesn't. It's super high premiums, doesn't cover yeah. very much. All that stuff. So we had, uh, we had to pony up about like seventeen thousand dollars. So even with ponying up that kind of money, I still came away with a lot of money to pay for bills and stuff. And um, wow. she's totally here. So it's kind of like, uh, I mean, if you're a religious person, you could say sort of like someone was looking out for us. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's pretty amazing. Yeah, There's not amazing, a lot of people yeah. that can gather that kind of steam and, and hit it right at, at sort of the right moments. That's. Yeah. I'm impressed. I mean, uh, so is there anything other than right into market? Uh, is there anything you think that you did that, um, you know, uh, made the book sell like hotcakes. It sounds like it did. The cover is pretty hot, to be fair. It is cool cover. It's very cool cover. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Thank you. Who uh, did the yeah. Cover? Uh, yeah. Um, Yokla Designs. Mm. Uh, there's a lady over there. She absolutely crushes it. She's been making a lot of covers for some of our other friends now, and I think she did. Uh, I think she did yesterday's gone for uh, Sean Platten. All those guys. Uh, although I forget which one of the three. David um, Wright, isn't it? David Wright and. Sean or Johnny and Sean, you know? So one of them, yeah, I can never tell who, who actually writes their books. <laughs> yeah. I just read them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, question, uh, covers, uh, why did it sell? Okay. Uh, okay. Well, it was post-apocalyptic canned audience and they're voracious. They can't get enough, right? Mm. They're like romance readers without enough like romance books. There's mm. a lot of romance books, you know, but I don't think there's a lot there. I don't think there's a lot of uh, post-apocalyptic. So I think it's a little bit easy to get into. And I could be wrong about that. There certainly is a lot, but the post-apocalyptic crowd keeps up with the, with their homework. They keep up with the books. So I think that it was, uh, in that respect, good cover. Yeah. Um, I also, I also used Amazon, uh, advertising, which helped maintain sales rank, which helped get me when you buy sales rank, you know, you're keeping your books visible. Uh, it gets advertised to people who like post-apocalyptic. So when they buy, you know, other books and then they buy your book, your book mm. appears and you also bought of those books. Um, so that's kind of a, that's kind of a good thing. Um, I have a fairly provocative kind of title, uh, Hell's mm. Children. Yeah. I mean, even if you don't think it's something you want to read, you're going to click it to see just what the hell a, a book like that is called. So a little bit clickbaity in my mind, uh, maybe some psychological edge there. Um, also, when I did my mark, I don't know how much, uh, uh, I don't know how many of your audiences uh, 
trying to sell books or, or just like to read books. Um, but uh, I tried to make sure that I was doing something every day during the launch. So uh, on one day, this person hit their list for me that day. Someone did a YouTube video talking to their little fans about it. On another day, somebody else hit their list about it. Um, another day, there are people um, spamming out their Facebook timeline for me, um, you know, uh, with a boosted post. Yeah. So I had a lot of people kind of, I had a lot of people actually beyond the days that they said they were going to help me. I had people coming out of the woodwork saying, Oh my God, I, I love that. You know, you, you're doing this and I'm going to hit my list for you. <clears throat> they just offered, which is really unusual because a list mm -hmm. is sacred. You know, everybody wants to use your list. So who, who are these people volunteering? I don't know what it was, but yeah. they did. And I'm really grateful. That's cool, man. That's I, um, yeah. So in terms of writing post-apocalyptic post fiction, uh, are you a post-apocalyptic reader generally? When it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I used to read Deathlands by James Axler. I read The Road. Um, I read uh, Lucifer's Hammer. Yeah. I read Alas Babylon. I read One Second After. Now, I'm not as avid as the, or, yeah, as, uh, as these people who bought my book. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're just reading everything. So like my normal, my normal stuff to read uh, these days, it's a lot of, uh, uh, shoot. It really is. <clears throat> I mean, I've been, I read a lot of Robert B. Parker, obviously, yeah. uh, Elmer Leonard. I'm kind of doing a lot of the stuff that's sort of like gauged in more reality as it were. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I grew up reading sci-fi and fantasy and I never read any of that quote, quote unquote reality stuff, thrillers and things like that. Uh, so to me, that's all new. Yeah. 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 Uh, so one in of terms the things, of, um, oh, sorry, I was going to say, one of the things I did want to ask, um, and kind of comes back a little bit to what we were saying about um, poetic writing and mm. and sort of that kind of style, is in House Children, you talk about weeds and you talk about cabbages. <laughs> is it that's the right? Is this right too? Isn't it weeds and cabbages? That's Which right. I really, I really like the idea of using those two sort of. Um, ways of identifying people in the post-apocalyptic world so weeds are the people that grow and flourish if i'm correct i might have yeah. got this wrong way around no, you, you got that people. right yeah, yeah cabbages are the people that are kind of just backwards and not going to make it they're just the kind of idiots where where did that come from was that something that because it feels like for me as i was reading it, it felt like something that maybe you'd taken from a part of your life that you'd had in the background or was it just this seemed to fit with the story well, um, again, I'm just impressed as hell that you've read my book. I mean, it's just neat. I, I genuinely really enjoyed it. I've got it on my list to write up a, a proper review for you. Okay. Um, well, you know, uh, okay, so there's this whole concept of um, special snowflakes, I guess. Mm -hmm. I think we all know what that is now. Yeah. Uh, it's always in, you know, like I have to have a safe place. Um, beyond that, so that's sort of like um, – and you look back to Benjamin Franklin, who ran away from home at 14 because his dad would not let him start a business. So he <laughs> runs away at 14. Okay, he's very much a weed, okay? He yeah. runs away at 14, and he goes and finds a printer who's too drunk to take care of his printing tasks. He's got to do all these pamphlets and everything. It's a true story. He did do this. And he, um, you know, he, he's, he told the drunk printer, I'll run everything. You just be drunk. And... So Benjamin Franklin eventually ended up making enough money to sort of buy out the business and start his own, you know, start changing the world. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then these days, you know, you get kids who they just, they just play video games and, yeah. you know, uh, hang out on a corner, uh, sleep in the afternoon, 
They don't know a damn thing. They don't know anything. Yeah. Uh, they're overly sensitive. They cry when they're hurt. They've got terrible, you know? terrible grip strength. I was reading the other day that uh, <laughs> the, uh, the millennial generation has got like a, a third of the grip strength of their like fathers at, the, at that same age because we never That's do why any I struggle with the taps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right so i won't belabor it too much <laughs> but the uh but the i guess the idea was there was this character jack yeah. whose parents decided they they actually were gonna they were trying to have a kid and they um you know they couldn't because they're too old they're like late 50s and they figured we're gonna have this kid but he might not uh, we not we not we might not live past his 18th year because we're kind of in we're too old and uh, we might, we might live to 80, but we won't be very useful. We won't have jobs. Uh, and he, we don't want him sleeping on our couch. We want to make sure that he hits the ground running. He's prepared for the world that he doesn't wait to 30 years old to find himself and decide what he wants to do. Yeah. So they get, they get, he gets his first job when he turns 11 sharpening knives uh, and, you know, and learning how to do that. And I just, you know, if you ever read, um, ever read Angela's Ashes by Frank McCourt? I've never read it. I haven't. No. Oh, it's incredible. It's about this teacher who grew up. Um, he's a teacher. He didn't, wasn't a teacher as a child, but he uh, <laughs> was living in Ireland during all the famines and everything. And people are dying around him. His brother, they died of starvation, um, essentially starvation induced sickness. <clears throat> and then, you know, he, um, he would watch the, the adults of Limerick as they paraded through the streets on their coal carts every day to go to the mines. Oh, I think I've seen the film actually. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And he looked at them and he, they, he was just this little kid, you know, going, Oh my God, I can't wait till I can get up there and be like the men and go to work every day. Now, can you imagine a kid these days looking at their parents and just, just daydreaming about going to work like dad yeah, or mom? Yeah. Well, I can't imagine it. No. Um, it is interesting. It's almost like, uh, are you, is, is your book a rallying cry to get the kids of today to, uh, go to work? Is that <laughs> go to work? Uh, be better humans, yeah. you know, uh, and I don't mean in the compassionate sense, you can be ca compassionate, you know, all your, this sort of separate, it's just, you know, don't be a cabbage. Don't be something that grows that a farmer picks and that, you know, rodents try to eat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be a weed. I, yeah. <laughs> I do really like the idea that the, yeah. uh, well, actually I don't really want to say it in case I kind of ruin it for people listening, but yeah, yeah we'll just, just get past that. Okay. Just, <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, but I really like the idea that during the whole of the book, you've got these characters that are being led by Jack into survival. And Jack is very much the kind of grown up in, in, in teenager form. But their whole objective tends to be going back towards we must rebuild what came before. Whereas I think a lot of other post-apocalyptic stories tend to kind of go, we will build a new world, a better world in a different way. It feels like it's moving very much towards we're going to get back what was taken which i thought was yeah. quite quite a fresh um hmm. look on, on on how it could be yeah that's uh that's actually a really good point um you do see that they uh we're going to build a a new utopia we're going to do everything right um jack's just thinking how hard is it going to be without wool you know yeah. uh or without corn or chickens like they're uh, that's something I'm struggling in with book two. So here's a spoiler for you. He He's concerned about <laughs> chickens. They're completely unable to protect themselves. He can't imagine having a, you know, he doesn't want to lose any of the wonders of, of civilization that can never be brought back. 
So imagine, uh, imagine if a real post-apocalyptic scenario did happen and all these chickens out there in their coops, um, if the coop door is open, right, they'll, they'll live. But you know what happens is the skunks come in and kill them and the rats come in and kill them because they're mm-hmm. unable to defend themselves. And so you would have, I mean, imagine, we can't live our modern society without eggs. Everything has eggs in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Even medicine has eggs in it. Um, eggs have eggs in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or cows. Cows are completely, you know, milk cows will just die if yeah. they ever get pregnant without a farmer to milk them. Mm-hmm. You know? Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Uh, so so we've been writing post-apocalyptic fiction. I've, I've realized that now, I'm, I think once we finish these books, I'm going to be completely ready to take on the world if there is an apocalypse yeah are you okay. finding a similar sort of thing because like there are some blogs out there where it sounds like they are expecting this to happen they're like planning the bug out bags they're they've they got guides on how to uh you know um purify water and all this stuff are you doing that sort of level of research uh i actually live that life a little bit not you know i mean i'm not i'm not i'm not going overboard for me it's a hobby it's kind of a hobby it's sort of philosophical hobby that actually could have practical implications mm. uh, we have a we have about a year's supply of food um i have a bag that i have to turn into a bug out bag mm. but it's uh i just need to do that i do feel that i need to do that um i have some radiation pills in case uh there's ever a dirty bomb attack i'll protect my thyroid um we have some antibiotics uh, which I need to kind of rotate. As you can see, I'm not a very good prepper, but I do think about it. <laughs> it's what it's, um, th- this has started to get me thinking more about it, and I am going to start building a bug out bag. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was looking, like, I'm a big fan of like Michael Bunker as well, and looking at his plain lifestyle. Um, I would never go that far, but it's just interesting. He to was see a little bit the inspiration for my Lent as well. Was he? Michael yeah, Bunker yeah. got you off mobile internet. <laughs> He's on I, my I the, all the time. <laughs> or it seems I love so. the idea that he just, yeah, I love the idea that he just cuts most of it out and then goes yeah. to his shed to write. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He's one another of the, um, friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to introduce us or we'll have a party sometime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm actually no. going to probably be meeting him in uh, April when I go to the Smarter Artist Summit. Are you guys going to it? Uh, oh, it we'd love I'd to, love but it's to. Uh, how expensive would it be to, to get over there for us? Uh, Maybe yeah. next next year we'll pay for our flights and tickets with our book sales next year. This is this is okay. the plan. Yeah, it'd be fantastic <laughs> I, to yeah. to see everyone. I interrupted you, Daniel. I'm sorry about that. Oh no, it was kind of coming back to the whole um, your friends thing. So I've seen a lot of um, you're a big advocate of other people mm. of other indie writers in promoting their work. You very you seem very generous and open with just helping people get out there, supporting other <laughs> <laughs> supporting other writers. And I think um, that's something that is very refreshing because like you say, people can be very precious with their lists. People can be very focused on, I I need to make my stuff work and I need to make my money. I need to do this. Um, so, I mean, what is kind of behind your reasoning with, with your generosity? Sure. Uh, what, what's going on there is uh, it's, it's actually a little bit selfish, <laughs> even though it seems generous. Uh, when I was writing kick and fool's ride in Hopper house and I wasn't getting a lot of sales, I was I was frustrated, you know. So if I, I thought to myself, I can't seem to make my sales really pick up the, the way I'm hearing on the podcast. All these these people who are just crushing it, you know. I'm doing I'm going through the motions and stuff. So I said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to if I can't help myself, I can help other people, and that it would just be it would give me that sense of motion that I'm not getting from my own work. So I would read books like Harvey Clickspark book or a Lindy Moon's book. Uh, she wrote Hyperlink from Hell, which is just a madcap mystery. And um, P.T. Hilton and all those guys, 
or over on the left side of my blog, john-l-monk.com, uh, I was reading all these these indie authors, and just if I liked them, I would put like a little thing about their book on the left side of my blog, so that people could click on it and and find the book themselves. Heck, and in the back of my my Jenkins cycle, I have uh, a number of the people on the left side in the back of the book, so that they could go and buy the books. And it was just a way of like taking control of my lack of sales and success mm-hmm. by taking control of their success. So I would promote them a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the selfishness. It was sort of like a, I, I took my, I was like kind of like a brain hack a little bit to sort of make myself not feel like such a failure. Uh, but there was also like, there's I like one little brain cell and scheming, conniving little brain cell in my head that said, aha, if they make it real big, then they can promote you or, uh, <laughs> you know, or if, uh, you know, you know, whatever you could learn from them or something like that. So it's like there's no true altruism there. There probably isn't any true. I mean, I like it. I mean, I'm a human animal. I I like helping my friends. I like seeing them succeed. But I think ultimately it was just an endorphin rush disguised as altruism. <laughs> and that's what our podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. I knew it in many, many forms. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we've been going at it for a while. So we we need to sort of speak. Is there, is there any other questions you wanted to ask? John, Dan, before we go into the quick fire round, I got my key ones. I mean, I could talk for hours, but you've got one written here, and uh, I'm not too sure what it means. Which one? Something about Google search. Oh, so I, <laughs> so when I was googling your website earlier, on the um, the top result of John L. Monk, it comes up with the phrase "double space in the face." <laughs> what does this mean? <laughs> Actually, double space in the face, S-A-S-E, SACE. See, I didn't know whether to include that bit. <laughs> yeah, so what that is, is, and I actually need, I was thinking just yesterday, I needed to take that down. I wrote the, <laughs> I started the blog as a, a writing blog. So when you're writing, you, uh, when you're writing, well, when you're writing books in the old days and you would submit them to agents, you had to make sure they were double spaced. You had to get yeah. them in their face and you had to include a self-addressed stamped envelope, SACE. They still S-A-S-E. They still teach that in some schools. I've seen, I still see that quite a lot because I am. Um, I was a proofreader for a couple of years, and people still do it. What still yeah. um, do double spacing double space. or SACE? Oh, SACE. Okay. <laughs> the whole process so, is uh, yeah, submitting to an every- editor. You got to do all this. Yeah, I need to take it down though. It's not a it's not a writing blog. It's really an announcement blog now. So yeah, yeah. You should um, you should change that to your you know uh, what was the, uh, the 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 poetry line again. Um, <laughs> oh, you need to really, you know, spark of yeah, love. that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> you need to put your best line forward, I think. Uh, okay, so uh, we're going to jump into the quick fire round, John. Uh, we've got like ten questions. We're going to fire them straight at you. Don't worry too much. Um, just you know, see what happens. Uh, are we you? Go fast. Uh, you fast. get about like we'll give you like ten seconds to answer each one. Uh, and you don't have to answer any if you don't want to. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> right. uh, Dan, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Okay. So, heaven or hell? Uh, heaven. Co- painful. Co-writing or solo? Solo. Licorice or sherbet? Uh, licorice, because I'm a man. <laughs> I prefer sherbet. <laughs> When's your birthday? Uh, March 6, 1971, which is also uh, Michelangelo's birthday, though not in 1971. Oh, so this Monday, happy Monday, birthday yeah. for then. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, what was the last book you read? Crap. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was a Robert B. Parker uh, uh, Spencer book that I had somehow never read before. He has like 40 of them. 
Cool. I forget um, the name. Favorite word. Uh, shit. <laughs> I guess it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll take that. Least favorite hobbit. Oh, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't like Mary a duck. Uh, where do you shop? Uh, uh, Duluth. Uh, I, re- re- recently, it's Duluth. They have the best stuff. It's super rugged. I don't think we have one of those in Britain. <laughs> Uh, question number nine. What's up? Uh, just keeping it realsies. Cool. Uh, and the last question: uh, Would you come back on the show, uh, please? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course I would come back. The first honest yeah. answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so before we we close up, uh, where can we follow you, John, and your work? Uh, John-L-Monk.com, horrible domain name, but it, it will have anything new that I uh, publish. Uh, you can friend me on Facebook. Just look for John L. Monk. Uh, I'm not on Twitter, and you can email me. If you go to my blog, you'll see like a contact page, and I have my email address there as a as a JPEG to stop like bots from picking it up. Oh, interesting. Um, cool. Uh, so a quick thanks to Disasterpiece for the intro and outro music, uh, ACAS for hosting the podcast, uh, the listeners for listening, the patrons for patroning uh, and to Dan my co-host for being here and uh, again thanks again to John L. Monk thank you John this has thank been you very fantastic much, it's been great thanks we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast still hungering for some podcast goodness then why not check out our other show the other stories Oh, and did you know, every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway, toodle pip. <laughs>